You may be seated. It's so good to see you guys today. Wow. Uh, if you didn't recognize what was going on in our hearts today, then, then come see me at the altar this, after the service because I'd love to talk with you about it. God's at work in this place, and I know he wants to do amazing kind of things. As we uh, celebrate on this Palm Sunday, as we kick off <coughs> Passion Week or Holy Week, whatever your tradition calls it, in a church like ours, we come from all kinds of different traditions and backgrounds. Uh, but the bottom line is that this kicks off the week, that Jesus went through a whole host of activities leading up to his crucifixion leading up to uh, his being laid in the tomb and then next Sunday, of course, Resurrection Sunday, and leading up to that day that they'll say the tomb is empty. He's not there because he's alive. And so this coming Easter Sunday, we'll be coming together to celebrate uh, and we just believe God's going to do amazing kinds of things. But in the few minutes that I've got with you today before we leave this place, I want to prepare our hearts just a little bit for, for Holy Week and for Easter Sunday. Here's what I know. I know that Easter Sunday is the one Sunday uh, of all of the year that an unchurched person will say yes to an invitation above every other Sunday in the year. So around here, for those of you that are new to the bridge, you may not know this, around here, Palm Sunday is about us. It's about we who know Jesus Christ and celebrate what he's doing. Easter Sunday for us is about resurrecting power for people that don't know him. It's an evangelism weekend. We're coming next weekend expecting that God is going to give us 50 souls across our locations next Sunday morning. We've been praying for that all week. We've been, in fact, for the last three weeks, we've been fasting and praying. Yesterday, this, this auditorium and all three of our locations were filled with people coming together to pray. We've got a whiteboard over here where names have been written. If you don't have your names on there yet, go over there and write first names down of people that you're praying to be saved. We're working together to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that they can experience what we have experienced in him. Because Jesus came, Jesus did what he did simply because he wants a relationship with us. That's it. He made us to be in relationship with him. I mentioned it in the prayer. Adam and Eve were born holy. They chose sin. And ever since then, we've been born in sin. We have to choose to be holy. We have to choose to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so he makes it possible. He did everything he can in order to make that possible, including it's the reason he came. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, we've looked at during this series called Chain Reaction, uh, and where Jesus said the Son of Man came to do what? What did he come for? To seek and to save the lost. Then fast forward after his death, after his resurrection, and you see Jesus gathering his disciples for final instructions, and he said, Matthew 28, 19, go make disciples of all the nations. That word nations in the Greek is the word ethnos, from which we get ethnicity. So he said to make sure that every ethnicity is included in this process. Not just the people that look like you, think like you, have a culture like you, reach across all the ethnic lines, across all the nations of the earth, and celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is alive and well and help them to come to know Jesus Christ. I got an interesting uh, piece of information this past week that I'll just share with you to celebrate with you. I don't know if you're aware of this. We watched Miss Althea on the video this morning, but the bridge is involved in 53 different missionaries around the world. Did you know that? Every time you give to the Giving Life by Giving Christ Fund, you're giving to 53 missionaries around the world. And I got word just this past week from the denomination we're affiliated with that we were the number one missions giving church in North Carolina in 2018. Amen. And in the top 10 in the entire denomination across the nation. 
So you guys, just, you ought to give yourselves a hand clap of, of praise God for what you're doing in the world. But guess what? We can't just write checks for people on the other side of the planet. We've got a neighbor across the street that needs Jesus. And so in the few minutes I've got with you this morning, I promise not to keep you long, but because our focus really is, was I wanted it to be that communion. I wanted it to be this Palm Sunday. But I want to give you final kind of instructions as we wrap up this chain reaction series and as we go out this week to bring people to the Easter services, Resurrection Sunday this coming week. We've been in a, uh, unpacking this formula for the last several weeks. Those of you that have been here know that it's a Mark Middleberg formula that he wrote many years ago where he talks about if you really want to be effective at sharing your faith, then he says high poten- you need high potency. You need to be a, a, an on fire for Jesus kind of Christian. You've got high potency. You add to that close proximity, you build relationships with people that need Jesus because salt has to be applied, light has to be seen in order to be effective. Add to that, Pastor Andy did a great job last week of talking to us about clear communication. When the time comes, you have to be able to communicate clearly in whatever methodology that works in that setting. And you put those three things together, what do you get? You get maximum impact. This is not a a sales formula. This is not a formula that if you do this, then you'll get these results. It's not that. It's, but if you do those three things, you maximize the potential for the Holy Spirit to do his work. Hear me, guys. We can't save anybody. I heard a few murmurs and an amen over here. We can't save anybody. If we could, we'd save them all. It's the Holy Spirit that does that job. But he's empowered us. He's given us the task to be as effective at sharing the good news as we can. So today on this Palm Sunday, I just want to lean into maximum impact for just a few minutes with the, what it may be a familiar story to some of you. It's, it's the story of the sower of the seeds. I just want to pull out some truths to kind of prepare your hearts. And then we're going to come to the altars this morning. We're going to pray together before we leave this place uh, that God will use us in powerful ways this coming week uh, as we go out. Can, can I just tell you one thing before we get into it? I'm going to, whether you give me permission or not, it's just nice to ask. Uh, You know, I believe one of the reasons God gives this church favor, and he does, you know that, right? Uh, It's because we take this seriously. That we take this, we take this great commission seriously. We take this mission seriously, and I believe you've done it. Since this church started, thousands of people, thousands, I don't even know the numbers. Thousands and thousands of people have committed their lives to Jesus Christ in this place. 260 last year alone in this house. But as exciting as it is, there are tens of thousands of people around us who still desperately need Jesus. So my sense is we've just begun. The names on that whiteboard over there are just a small representation. They're whiteboards just like that in all of our locations. They're just a small representation of the people out there that desperately need Jesus. In many cases, people that we know and we love. And so we're praying that at least 50 of them will come to Christ next Sunday here on Easter Sunday. So to prepare ourselves for this week, let's get into it. A little story that Jesus gave us. It's, it's a parable, but it's a unique parable in that not only did he give us the story but he actually interpreted the story. He didn't always do that. Sometimes he gave a parable and, and they understood in that culture what he was talking about. Sometimes we struggled to understand the parables. But this particular one, he gave us both the story and the interpretation. And it's the story about a farmer who went out to the field to, to plant his seeds. No doubt his goal was to eventually get a harvest, to, to produce a good crop. And so, but as he scattered his seeds, he began to recognize very quickly that there were different parts of his field and, and he got different results because of that. Same seed, 
same techniques. The only variable was the soil where the seeds landed. So Jesus is telling us that we should expect the same thing when we go sharing our faith. That we're going to share the same seed, we're going to use the same techniques, but we're going to get different results based on the, the soil. So let me unpack the primary characters of the story, and then we're very quickly going to look at the story together. And then, we, as I said, we're going to come to the altar and pray before we leave. Three main characters in our story. There's the farmer. In our context, who are we talking about? Who's the farmer? Look at somebody and say, we are. Say, he's talking about us. He, he's talking about us. We are the farmers. We are the ones that are scattering the seed. What's the seed? That's the second character. What's the seed? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the good news that there is fulfilling life available in Jesus Christ. It's the good news that there is forgiveness and fresh start. It's the good news that there's resurrecting power. There's purpose and meaning in Jesus Christ. It's the good news. And what's the soil? It's the people that God has put in our sphere of influence that we have the opportunity to share the good news with, the people that we can plant seeds in, the hearts of the people that we care about. So kind of keep that in mind as we go through it. We're the, we're the farmers, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the seed, the soil are those people in our lives. Let's prepare ourselves a maximum impact. Three simple things quickly, and I'll let you go. Number one, in order to have maximum impact, we must sow seeds generously. Say it with me. Sow seeds generously. One more time. We must sow seeds generously. Now, that sounds like a duh. Of course you have to, but I have to address it because simply put, you won't get a harvest if you don't plant seeds. It amazes me how many Christians I've talked to uh, that have said, I've never prayed with anybody to receive Christ. I've never shared my faith with anybody. Well, why do you suppose that's true? Well, it probably has something to do with how many seeds you've sown. Over the years, because you don't get a harvest unless you plant seeds. It's so obvious, but here it is. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. Remember this: a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. That's logical, right? But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. During the series, we've talked about several ways to do that, but we've also provided you with what we call them the Easter kits with, with some tools that'll help you to do exactly that. So we've got the whiteboard where you can write some names down so that you're, you're putting legs on your prayer. We're, pray, we're praying for those names. We've given you one of those cards that's, where you can write five names on the back of it. Here it is on the screen. You can write five names. We're asking everybody to pray for five people. Yesterday, we spent the day in prayer in all of our locations, praying that God would, would save souls, would save our nation. Our nation is in desperate need of Christ at the center. Uh, and we've given you just because cards. I don't know if you're using those things, but, but I like to go in a restaurant and, and just leave a just because card with the tip. Uh, and I know when I do that, uh, sometimes those seeds will take fruit and some won't. I know sometimes I, I, I'll leave that just because card along with the tip and, and that waiter, waitress will come back and <coughs> they'll pick up the card and go, eh, and they'll laugh at me and think I'm a foolish person. I, that'll happen. I, I, I have no doubt that'll happen. It may be that some of them will stick it in their pocket along with the tip and not pay any attention to it until the end of the night when they're tired and they start digging through their tips and they see it and go, well, what's this? I don't know. I, I don't know what the result is. I just know I'm scattering seed. I just know I'm putting the word out there. Now, let me just throw one in here, okay? If you decide to do that, don't be rude to your waitress and don't leave a stingy tip, okay? <laughs> Take good care of them. Be nice to them. Take good care of them. My son worked uh, uh, in a restaurant for a while when he first finished high school and went into college, and, and he said, boy, I hated Sunday afternoons. The church crowd, the stingiest crowd on the week. 
Please don't be those people, okay? And if you do, don't, don't give them a card with the bridge on it. Cause that's not who. Give them Faith's card or First PH's card. I didn't say that. Edit that tape. Edit, cut that out. Cut that out. Even, even the billboards you're seeing around, it's got the same graphics card. What are we doing? We're trying to maximize our impact to sow as many seeds in as many ways as we possibly can because we know the only way you get a harvest is if you scatter lots of seeds. Will those efforts produce a harvest? I don't know. But I do know if we don't plant the seeds, we won't get a harvest. Make sense? And I suspect you'll be amazed at the harvest you get if you'll take this seriously because you're not going in your own power. You know that, right? Jesus didn't just give us a mission. He gave us the power to fulfill the mission. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, uh, you will receive power. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, every part of the world. If you don't know the geography, Jerusalem is the hometown. Judea is the surrounding area. So we're talking about Goldsboro or Princeton or Smithfield or Selma or Kenley or wherever it is that you live. And then the county surrounding, Wayne County, Johnston County, you know, we, we touch a lot of places with this church wherever you live. And then Samaria is across ethnic lines. The Samaritans were a different ethnic group. And so reaching across ethnic lines he's talking about and then ultimately to every part of the world. He didn't leave us a job and no resources to do it. He, he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to go forward. I, got, I know I'm weird sometimes, but I got this scene in my mind of Jesus when he told uh, his disciples, okay, I'm going back. Uh, I need you to go be my witnesses. I'll send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go prepare heaven, and then I'll be back. Jesus gets to heaven, and the angel says, uh, I, I thought you went to seeking to save the lost. I did. Well, how are you going to find them from here? And Jesus said, oh, my followers are going to be my witnesses. And the angel said, you mean that ragtag bunch of ordinary, fearful people? You're entrusting this most important task in the universe to them? I mean, they can't even get their eyes off of their circumstances, much less share the good news with somebody else. I mean, no way they can do it as well as you can. And Jesus said, you underestimate my people and you underestimate the power that I'm sending them to accomplish what I've called them to do. You see, he understood something. And since that day, billions of people have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And God is still using imperfect people to do these incredible kinds of things. I read not too long ago that 355,000 people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ somewhere on the planet every day. Every day. He's using people like you and me to scatter seed around the world and bring people to him. So sow the seed generously everywhere you go. Pray for doors to open. Pray for chances to share your faith. Pray for openings to say, you know what, if you ever want to know something about Jesus, I'd be glad to tell you what I know. He's my best friend. You might well be amazed at the harvest that will come. In fact, before I move on, let me stretch your thinking. Um, I was thinking about it uh, a good bit this week. Those of you that don't know, the bridge is 100 years old, founded in 1918. But 29 years ago, Pastor Farrell and Miss Millie came to this church, the 69 people in that first service, and Farrell began to cast the vision for, for focusing in on Jesus' reason for coming. He cast this vision of reaching the lost and really building a ministry whose focus is to help people come to Christ and then grow up in Christ. 69 people in that first service. Not unusual for us to have 1,600 on a given weekend now in all our locations. I want you to think about that for a minute. That's a harvest over 29 years since that day 
that is 23 times, more than 23 times the size of the group that he scattered the seed to 29 years ago. Now multiply the current size of our church where this vision's being cast times 23. If the Lord tarries his coming, the bridge could be 36,000 people by doing the same things we've been doing for the last 29 years. Just continuing to take it seriously. Are you, am I stretching your thinking just a little bit? Oh, this is a big church. No, it's not. Not when you compare it to the harvest that needs to be gathered. This is a little church. We've got a lot of work to do. Will the bridge grow that large? I don't know. I frankly don't even care. The thing we ever do is about building a church, growing a church. It's about growing the kingdom. Then get another God-honoring, Jesus-loving churches. I don't care. I just want them to come to know Jesus Christ. Christ, and so we have to scatter seed in order for that to happen. I told you I wouldn't keep you long today. I can't promise you nothing on this subject. I'm going to do my best to keep my word, though. The second thing you got to do is you got to expect obstacles. I, again, it amazes me the number of Christians who, who say, yeah, I should do that, but I, 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 I'm just scared to do that. I, I don't know if I can do that. And so they don't do that. And so what you need to do is you've got to scatter the seed, but you've got to go into it realistically and understand that there's going to be <coughs> some obstacles. Wouldn't it be cool if every time you shared your faith with somebody they got saved? If you just said, uh, you want to know Jesus? Yes. You want to go to heaven? Absolutely. What do I do? Where do I sign? You want to come to church with me? Oh, yeah, where? Uh, wouldn't it be cool if that happened? How many of you found that to be true? It just isn't true. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Just getting them to come to church is tough enough, even for people that already know Jesus. It's hard to get them in church these days. And then they get here, and they drive up in the parking lot, and many of them have come from smaller church environments. They drive up in the parking lot, and I hear them. They'll say, oh, Lord, what have I gotten myself into? And they walk in the lobby and say, oh, how am I ever going to get to know all these people, you know? Well, I like this place, and how, how do we get connected? Well, the people will write on their connect card every now and then. I really liked it, but I'm used to a much smaller church. Or I really liked it, but, but man, there's going to be a big learning curve to meet people here. Not really, but that's what they think. Those are barriers they have to overcome, and we're talking about Christians who are looking for a church. You can imagine the obstacles that you may face when you try to share your faith with unsaved unchurched kind of people. So Jesus pointed out three in the story. Let's unpack them quickly. The first type of soil that I think you'll encounter, you probably have, is what I just simply call closed minds. Luke chapter 8, verses 5 and 12. 5 tells the story, 12 interprets it. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Verse 12, those along the path were ones who hear... And then the devil comes along and takes the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Be prepared that some of the people that you're going to share your faith with have already made up their minds that they don't want to hear it. Even though God created us with a God-shaped void in our lives, even though uh, they in the quietness of the night know there's something missing, there's a void in their lives, they're, they're, for whatever reason, they, they're just not ready. Maybe it's because they're mad or, uh, about some religious person that hurt them. Maybe they're discouraged about some circumstance in their life, whatever it is. But what I found is there's usually three, one of three reasons why, uh, why they close their minds. Satan's really good at using these tools. Uh, the, the number one I find is fear. And I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I say yes to Jesus. 
I've dealt with so many people over the years who come to the verge of praying this prayer and, 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 and their minds just immediately go, but, but, but what's going to happen uh, to my friends who don't know Jesus? What's going to happen to my life? What's going to happen to my lifestyle? Am I gonna have, what am I going to have to give up? Am I going to give up fun? And so this fear kind of overwhelms them. Satan's really good at using that tool to keep you from coming to know Jesus Christ. I was in a service not too long ago in another church, and, and a lady, uh, mid to late 30s, I suppose, came in. <coughs> she sat on the back, <coughs> back row of the little church that we were in. And when it came time to the end of the service and we had a time in the altar, I noticed that she was sitting on the back row crying. And so I left the, the, where we were uh, praying around the altars, and I went back to her, and I said, Sugar, are you okay? And she said, yeah, I'm fine. Kind of, <clears throat> I'm fine. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't help but see you crying. Is there any way I can help? She said, I knew this was going to happen. I knew that if I came here, I was going to experience this, and I'm just not ready to give up. And she got up and walked out. For whatever reason, Satan had convinced her that something terrible was going to happen to her life if she gave her life to Jesus Christ. She was going to have to give up some fun or the party scene or something or other. I don't know what she thought, what she was afraid of, but she was just afraid, and Satan's really good at that. Pride is another reason. You know, if I listen to what you're saying, then I have to face my weaknesses. I have to face my own sinfulness. I have to admit that I'm a sinner, and that can be tough. It's far easier to blame somebody else for the bad stuff in our lives than it is to accept blame ourselves for the bad stuff in our lives. And so some people just go, well, you know, it's not my fault. I'm fine. Even though, again, in the darkness of the night, they know they're not. You know what I've discovered through the years? Uh, is that for the vast majority of people where pride is the issue, that's actually a smokescreen for insecurity. Have you found that to be true? That quite often they're just trying to build themselves up in your eyes because they're afraid you won't like them if you see the real person, so they kind of puff up a little bit, but in fact it is insecurity. Bitterness is one that we have to deal with in this part of the world because there's so many hurting people out there and let's be honest guys some of them got hurt in churches because I don't know if you know this or not but churches are populated with imperfect people I don't know if you know that or not and I didn't say those churches I said churches after Easter, we're going to talk about some of those stereotypes and we're going to talk about why we've earned some of those labels we're going to it's time to talk seriously about some of this stuff but for now, just be aware there's some people whose minds are going to be closed for a host of reasons. Don't be surprised. Don't be discouraged when it happens. That's why we've been praying so much for the last few weeks that God will work and soften hearts and open hearts. The second soil that you're going to encounter is, is I call them superficial minds. Luke chapter 8, verses 6 and 13. 6, the story, 13, the uh, interpretation. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Now, in that region, the, the, the whole region has a bed of limestone, uh, and, and then there's only maybe an inch or two or three of topsoil on top of that, so it's not unusual for the seeds to, to land, begin to take root, but then they hit that hard limestone, and, and, they, and they wither because they can't go deep enough to reach moisture, and so they ultimately die in that desert uh, heat when it kicks in. Jesus says that's typical of some of the kind of people that you're going to, to encounter is they'll start out great, but then they 
they, they can tend to fade. They make their decisions not based on facts. They make them based on, on emotions of the moment. I mean, their, their ideas never make it to, to their value systems that they begin to live out their lives. And then when it gets hard, change is hard. You notice that, right? Change is hard. When it gets hard, they just kind of bail. They move on. Now, don't misunderstand me. I, I, I'm not against emotions. I, I, I'm, I may be one of the most emotional guys you know. I mean, I, I'm just an emotional guy. I just, Kim will walk in the room sometimes. I'm watching TV and I'm crying. And she'll say, what in the world are you crying about? I don't know. I just saw that Coke commercial, you know, and it was kind of, it was touched me. You know, I was watching the Olympics one time, and this guy's chihuahua died, and he's dedicating his gold medal to Fufu, and I started crying. And Kim said, what are you crying about? I said, I don't know, but he worked so hard, and now Fufu's dead. And ah. I cry at Hallmark movies. I know some of you guys said, oh, man, you watch Hallmark movies? Okay, it's 90 minutes of agony, but it leads to kissing. <laughs> so endure it, guys, okay? Do endure it. <laughs> there are benefits on the other side. What am I saying? <laughs> I'm saying emotions ain't bad. Come on. But when your emotions drive the train, you're in trouble. Emotions need to be the caboose, not the engine. The engine is truth, and the truth is every one of us woke up this morning desperately in need of Jesus, and everybody you know did too. When it comes to sharing your faith, you're going to deal with some people like that, and you're going to get discouraged if you let yourself because you want it for them so badly, and they start out well, and you get encouraged, and you get hopeful, and then they fall away, and you go, oh, man, I just thought they were finally going to do it. Well, if you know somebody like that, just understand you've planted seeds, and you pray that the harvest will come. Whatever you do, don't stop sowing because somebody uh, fell by the wayside along the way. By the, by the way, uh, just before we move on, do you know how to make sure your roots go deep? I mean, if you've established a relationship with Jesus and, and the desert heat is, is baking on you, you know how to make sure your roots go deep? It's, it's go beyond Sunday morning service. Start building authentic, meaningful relationships with, with other ladies who share your faith, with other guys who share your faith, with other couples who share your faith. Get into a bridge group. Join a serve team. Get into the Word of God. Start spending time in the Scriptures. Let this journey move uh, not just from your heart but to your head and from your head to your heart. Make sure that both emotion and reason are involved in this journey if you want to make sure that you go deep. The third kind of soil that Jesus talked about is I, I call them preoccupied minds. Luke chapter 8, verse 7, other seed fell among the thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. Worries, riches, and pleasures, and the result is they do not mature. They never produce the harvest that they were hoping for. Some people recognize the spiritual void. They want to come, but there's just too many things going on in their lives right now for them to get serious about this thing. And Jesus even gave us the list, didn't he? What are they? It's worries, it's riches, it's pleasures. So many people are preoccupied with their worries uh, that they can't ever come to Jesus even though he's the answer to what they're worried about. So many people are so preoccupied with making a living, they never make a life, much less consider eternal life. Before you know it, 
They've lived out a life that's empty. One of the great tragedies of our times is you drive through subdivisions with great old big houses, but nobody's home because they're all out working overtime to pay for the big old houses sitting empty. That's the tragedy of our times. Guys, pleasures is another one that chokes them out. Nothing wrong with pleasure. In fact, if you don't build healthy pleasures into your life, you set yourself up to fall for unhealthy ones eventually. God gave us that rule, one in seven. You ought to relax. You ought to recreate. You ought to rejoy. But for some people, pleasure is not good. It's God. It defines their lives. And anytime that happens, it becomes like weeds that grow up and choke out the harvest that comes. Before we get to the third point and we wrap this up, can I ask you a deeply theological question? Would it be all right if I do that? Is it deeply, this is deep stuff, okay? So brace yourself, all right? How, how much effort does it take to grow weeds at, at your house? How, how much does it, does, is it easy? Yeah, it's, so weeds just kind of, I mean, there are 57 varieties of weeds in my yard. Somebody said to me the other day, why don't you, why don't you uh, weed and feed? I said, because if I weeded, there'd be nothing to feed. That's why. Because <laughs> that's all I got is weeds. I mean, come on. That's, that's, the lawns you have to cultivate. Weeds come freely. Am I right? Lawns are a sign of care and effort. Weeds are a sign of neglect. So if you find yourself with weeds choking out the joy of the Lord in your hearts, the busyness of life, the pleasures of life, the whatever it is, the worries of life, then maybe it's a sign of neglect on your part. I ran into a lady just the other day, and I would invite her to the church. And she said, you know, I've heard great things about the bridge. I, yeah, I've heard that's a really good church, and, and I really ought to get in church these days. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll come, and I gave her a card and said, we'd love to have you come on Easter Sunday. You can come this Sunday if you want, but I'd love to have you there Easter Sunday. It's going to be a great celebration. Uh, and she said, well, you know, I'm just too busy right now. Uh, but I'm going to come one of these days. Have you figured out yet that one of these days for most of us is none of these days? Um, most of you know I have a doctorate in uh, Christian leadership. I got a letter from Gordon Conwell one day. <clears throat> I had applied for the doctoral program and got accepted and then decided I was too busy to pursue it, so I just set it aside. Four years later, I got a letter from a secretary. It was actually a handwritten note from a secretary at Gordon Conwell saying, uh, Pastor Wall, I was digging through the files, cleaning out old files, and I happened to notice that you were accepted into the program, but I don't see any record of you having entered the program. Are you still interested? And I read that note and went, if I had followed through, this would be a letter saying, congratulations, you have graduated. Instead, it's a letter saying, what happened? I'm doing it. I'll fit it in somehow. And so you find a way when you know it's important. You don't let the weeds of life crowd you out. i got to move on. Just remember, when you make the commitment to sow seeds, some are going to say spiritual things are not for me. Their minds are completely closed to the good news. What do you do with those people? You pray. Pray the Holy Spirit will soften their hearts. Some will say, great, I love it. Oh, this is awesome. Best thing that ever happened to me. But they often won't last. Emotions kick in, but values and priorities aren't touched, and they, they fade. Others will say, I'm going to do that. One day, yeah, I'll be there Sunday. I'll see you Sunday. 
Oh, man, we missed you. Didn't make it. Yeah, something came up. Just be aware that's going to happen. Don't let it discourage you because you don't get a harvest unless you sow seeds generously. Expect obstacles. And then finally, the third thing, and we'll close, is just stay faithful. God has not called you. You are not responsible for the harvest. You are responsible to sow the seeds. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time, what will happen? Read it with me out loud. One, two, three, go. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's true. Uh, that some of the seed you sow will fall on uh, closed minds, and some will fall on superficial minds, and some will fall on preoccupied minds, but some of it will fall on good soil, and they will become what I call willing minds who really want to know what you know. Luke chapter 8, verse 15, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a harvest. Guys, we have got to approach this mission with earnest, with urgency because Jesus is coming soon. The time is short. I don't know how much time we have left to reach the people that haven't come to know Jesus yet, but we also have to approach it with patience because it's not our job to close the deal we want it now. We want transformation to happen now. It's our job to be ambassadors of the faith. One quick story, and I'll close. came from early in, in uh, mine and Kim's ministry life. We are pastoring a church down in Pender County, the first church we served. And there was a man in that church, in that community. His wife was a member of the church. Albert never came. But uh, Albert was crusty old farmer dude, had a burnout cigar in the corner of his mouth and profanity out of the other corner of his mouth everywhere he went every time you saw him. That was just Elbert. You just came to expect it. Elbert had been kicked out of every store in town. I mean, seriously. Every store in town had said, you're not welcome. The bank said, you can't come here anymore. Send your wife in here. Because he'd get in there and loud as he could be, he would just start cussing and he was just, he was just an angry man. And our church began to pray. In fact, the church had been praying for a long, long time. And we would lay hands on Miss Thelma and we'd pray for Miss Thelma and we'd pray for Albert. And one day they're sitting at lunch and, uh, and he looked at Thelma and said, you know what? <clears throat> Some of you know what I'm about to say. Some of you won't have a clue what this means. Uh, he said, I'm going to Florence and get me some teeth and I'm going to your church. Florence, South Carolina was the only place in those days where you could go 24-hour dentures. That's what he was saying. I'm going to go get me some dentures, and I'm going to church. Well, that Sunday came, and Thelma got up, and he was still asleep. She didn't want to wake him. She didn't have the nerve to say what's going to happen. And so been faithful to this man for 45 years of marriage. He had not been in a church since he was 21. His mother's funeral, he was 65. She got up and went to church that morning. Walked in by herself. She told several of us, Elbert said he's coming. Elbert said he's coming. She came in, sat down, and we started the service. About halfway through the song set, Elbert came in and sat on the back row. When I gave the invitation that day, he knocked people out of the way to get to the front, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. The next day, he went out across the town. He went to every store in town. I kid you not. Went to every store in town. He stuck his head in the door and said, I know I'm not welcome here. I just wanted you to know I gave my life to Jesus Christ yesterday. Store by store by store, I just wanted you to know. Turned 
that little community on its ear. But you know what else it did? It rocked our little church because we'd all been praying for Albert. And we all had a part in Albert's newfound faith. And we were so excited for Miss Thelma, we didn't know what to do. So after 45 years of faithful praying, Albert came to know Jesus. Everybody had a part. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. So what's our job? Sow the seed. What's his job? Produce the harvest. Only God can change a heart, but we have to plant the seeds in order for it to happen. So as we get ready, prepare our hearts. Some of you have already been doing this aggressively. You've been out there for the last three or four weeks, but this is the last week leading up to Easter Sunday. I'm going to ask you to just get up from where you are right now without any fanfare, music, or whatever else. I'm just going to ask you to come and just stand with me at the altar as an act of solidarity as a church family. And I want you to join me in praying that as we go out this week scattering seed, planting seeds, that it'll find rich soil that people will come to know Jesus Christ. Again, whether it's at the bridge or some other God-honoring, Jesus-loving church, we don't care. It's about growing a church. It's about growing the kingdom of God. But if you'll join me in that, maybe you've come here today, you're not sure you have a relationship with Jesus, but he's been speaking to your heart all morning. I'm asking you not to leave this place either. The altars will be open in just a few minutes. We'd love to pray with you today, let you start your relationship with Christ today. But let's move on in. Even if you can't get all the way to the altar, just make a move as an act of faith. <clears throat> and let's join our hearts together. The priest team's going to come back. We're going to sing a closing song together right here around the altars. But before we do, I wanted us to pray. I wanted to pray for us. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's close our eyes together, bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We adore you, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us fresh starts. Thank you for healing and restoration. Thank you for everything you've done in our lives. You've stretched us, changed us, grown us, impacted us in ways we never dreamed possible. And now I'm praying that you would use us as imperfect as we are. You would use us and send us out to touch the lives of the people around us, the thousands upon thousands of people around us, the people that we go to work with and school with every day, the people that we bump into in restaurants and stores every day, the people we're in sports leagues with, the people that live across the street, the people that live in our own homes Give us the courage. Give us the wisdom. Give us favor. Holy Spirit, go before us and use us in a way that would blow us all away. <clears throat> and then, Lord, help us to celebrate that 50 Elberts are going to come to know Jesus next Sunday. 
Some will be far from God who will come to him. Some will be already on the verge of coming to him. But 50 people are going to come to Jesus next week. I believe it in my spirit. I believe it in my heart. I'm pronouncing it with my words. By faith, and I'm asking you, Lord, to show us how you can use us with our simple efforts of investing in people's lives and inviting them to come. Lord, I pray blessing and honor and favor on these precious people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.